Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify, and you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. Or you can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Want to get something off your chest? You can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. We've got a great show in store for you today. We're going to be joined in the second half hour by Breitbart's Alam Bukhari. He's their senior technology correspondent, and he's going to bring us up to speed on big tech's efforts to censor not only Breitbart, but other conservative outlets uh, in the run-up to this election. They are doing exactly what I and many other conservative commentators predicted they would do, and that is to try to clamp down on any, uh, any positive uh, stories on the Trump campaign or any conservative viewpoints on the internet. Uh, they're doing it uh, with Google. They're banning them from the search engines. They're downranking them on Google's video platform, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are all engaged in this. And they used yesterday's uh, conference of the white coat um, doctors that, uh, that were, calling out the effectiveness and safety of hydroxychloroquine as their opportunity to, uh, to slam the door on conservative ideas on the Internet. The first story I want to cover today, though, is out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where, of course, the Democrat National Convention is going to be held uh, in Milwaukee there. And, of course, you know that over the last um, two all going on three months now, the Democrats have sat on their hands and not done anything to push back against the violence of their supporters in the streets in Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis and Oakland and L.A. and New York. They have uh, the, the stormtroopers for the Democrat National Party, otherwise known as Antifa and Black Lives Matter, have been rioting, looting, burning, assaulting. And the Democrats have sat on their hands uh, up until the point where they have, uh, you know, had a news blackout in the mainstream media while the Democrats continually refer to this unrest as peaceful protest. Well, now 
the uh, the chickens have come home to roost, and they're in with um, uh, Wisconsin. Over one hundred police agencies have now pulled out of agreements to provide security for the Democrat National Convention in Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm loving this. This is poetic justice on steroids. So, you know, whenever they have one of these big events, it's the, the local police are not able to, you know, fully cover all of the uh, policing and security arrangements. And so they usually call mutual aid for surrounding jurisdictions, including uh, state police. Well, now over 100 of these agencies that had agreed to provide security for the Democrat National Convention have pulled out. They're citing a ordinance that was passed by Milwaukee City Council banning the use of tear gas and and uh, pepper spray in order to do crowd control. That basically eliminates any ability for uh, law enforcement to to uh, do their job and you know prevent riots and. Under those circumstances, these 100 police agencies have determined that they can't do their job. And plus, it's not worth going into Milwaukee and trying to provide protection for a group, the Democrats, that are actively engaged in inciting and encouraging these riots. At the very least, what they're doing is is turning a blind eye to it and pretending that they're not going on. So, man, I'm loving that story. Finally. They're, uh, they're getting a little bit of the karma that they have been sowing. You reap what you sow. It's going to be interesting to see how the Democrats deal with this. They were already worried about uh, unrest. Of course, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they, uh, they uh, attack uh, Democrats as well. I think the Democrats are hoping that they will you know be eaten by the alligator last, but if old, the Bernie bros show up in Milwaukee to protest the fact that the Democrats delivered the nomination to a guy with a 47-year track record of, of um, relative centrism as opposed to their declared Marxist Bernie Sanders, and it's going to be interesting to watch. I would not want to be in Milwaukee during the Democrat National Convention. So yesterday, uh, the House Judiciary Committee called Bill Barr uh, to testify. That committee, of course, is headed by the loathsome and uh, repulsive Jerry Nadler, the hut. And uh, Barr showed up. Turns out the Democrats weren't at all interested in hearing anything Bill Barr had to say. They they made a, 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 a tactic of asking him these uh, accusations that were couched in the form of the question. And then when he asked, tried to answer them or push back, they would immediately cut him off and deny him the opportunity to, uh, to rebut their accusation. Here's a, a montage of what it sounded like. It's limited. I, I have the time. So what the, my time. Yeah. I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, sir. 
reclaiming my time, and I know you don't want to answer. I'm not saying uh, that. I reclaim my time. Claiming my time. Re- reclaiming my time, Mr. Attorney General. Reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Attorney General. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, Mr. Barr. Okay, reclaiming my time. Excuse me, the time is fine. I'm starting to lose my temper. Excuse me, Mr. Barr, this is my time, and I control it. I mean, reclaiming my time, sir. I think in another one, I've Reclaiming my time. Okay, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time, sir. I will get to that. Reclaiming my time. You answered the... So anytime he said anything that uh, went against their narrative, they would immediately cut him off. And it was, it was obviously pre-planned. Uh, you know, they were going to go in there and uh, and conduct themselves this way and claim, reclaim my time. The most obvious example of it was that uh, that idiot representative from DeKalb County, Georgia, suburban Atlanta, Hank Johnson, who uh, he wouldn't even let Barr get two or three words out of his mouth before he would cut him off, say, I'm reclaiming my time. And I know you don't want to answer the question, but that was, that was largely the behavior of, of all the other Democrats on the committee as well. It was a sickening spectacle. And anybody watching it would have been repulsed. Even, even Democrats knew that it was a staged ambush of Bill Barr. So, I'm going to reclaim some time from Bill Barr, and I'm going to play for you now his opening statement at the Judiciary Committee yesterday. I want to address a different breakdown in the rule of law that we've witnessed over the past two months. In the wake of George Floyd's death, violent rioters and anarchists have hijacked legitimate protests to wreak senseless havoc and destruction on innocent victims. The current situation in Portland is a telling example. Every night for the past two months, a mob of hundreds of rioters have laid siege to the federal courthouse and other nearby federal property. The rioters have come equipped for fight, armed with powerful slingshots, tasers, sledgehammers, saws, knives, rifles, and explosive devices. Inside the courthouse are a relatively small number of federal law enforcement personnel charged with defense. That's Nadler banging the gavel trying to uh, to keep Bill Barr from completing his opening statement. Defensive mission to protect the courthouse. What unfolds nightly around the courthouse cannot reasonably be called protest. It is by any objective measure an assault on the government of the United States. As elected officials of the federal government, every member of this committee, regardless of your political views or your feelings about the Trump administration, should condemn violence against federal officers and the destruction of federal property. Well, there was none of that. Not one Democrat yesterday made the slightest utterance in opposition to the siege, and it can be described as nothing other of the federal courthouse in Portland. They're trying to burn it down. It's quite clear now the Democrats are sitting on their hands and allowing this to happen. You know, this is very similar to uh, the opening salvos of the Civil War when uh, the state of uh, South Carolina laid siege to uh, Fort Sumter. And, uh, and, and that's how civil wars begin. And the Democrats are doing nothing to, uh, to try to push back on this. So right after Bill Barr finished his opening statement, uh, Nadler, I'm not going to play it for you because it's, it's boring and so dishonest it makes you sick. But um, Jim Jordan 
Unbelievable. This guy has become completely indispensable, both to the truth and to the Republicans. He's uh, he, he's not taking any of their um, their crap. And during his opening, uh, this uh, this hearing was ostensibly called to uh, to to condemn Barr for digging into the origins of the Russia hoax. And uh, when when Jim Jordan got his turn at an opening statement, he pointed out exactly what's going on there. His opening statement spying. That one word. That's why they're after you, Mr. Attorney General. Fifteen months ago, April 10th, 2019, in a Senate hearing, you said this sentence, quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It sure is. And since that day, since that day, when you had the courage to state the truth, they attack you. They've been attacking you every since, every day, every week, for simply stating the truth that the Obama-Biden administration <laughs> spied on the Trump campaign. One year ago, New York Times headline said this. One year ago. Quote, FBI sent investigator posing as assistant to meet with Trump aide in 2016. The FBI sent a young lady who used the name Azra Turk to meet Papadopoulos in September of 2016. It's what's called an undercover operative. The FBI sent an undercover operative into the Trump campaign, and she wasn't the only one. There are at least three others that we know about. In September of 2016, they sent someone pretending to be someone else to meet a person associated with the Trump campaign. You know what they call that? Spying. You know what they call that? Spying. One month later, October 2016, they used the dossier to spy on Carter Page. The salacious, unverified dossier, Jim Comey's words, not mine. They took it to the FISA court, didn't tell the courts that the Clintons paid for it, didn't tell the court that the guy who wrote the document, Christopher Steele, had already communicated to the Justice Department that he was, quote, desperate to stop Trump from getting elected. And guess what? There were 15 more lies that they told the court. 17 in total. They're outlined by the inspector general, each and every one of them in his 400-page report. But guess what? Chairman Nadler refuses to allow Mr. Horowitz to come here and testify and answer our questions about the 17 lies the Obama-Biden administration told to the secret court. The Obama-Biden DOJ opened the investigation in July. They used a secret agent lady to spy on Papadopoulos in August. They lied to the FISA court in September, and they did all this without any basis for launching the investigation to begin with. How do we know that? How do we know there was no basis? They told us. Now, they didn't want to tell us, but thanks to Rick Grinnell, who released the transcripts of their testimony, we now know there was no basis for them to start the investigation in the first place. Well, uh, Jordan got a little bit wrong. There was a basis there to start that investigation. It was Hillary Clinton's desperate attempt to try to paint Donald Trump as a toady of the, uh, of the Russians. When in fact it was her campaign authorized by her personally that used Russian sources largely believed now to be actual disinformation fed to a, an operative at the Brookings Institute to uh, to to try to interfere in these elections, Robert Mueller wasn't at all interested in pursuing that line. He claimed not to even know who Fusion GPS was. But then uh, then Jordan went on um, to these uh, these so called peaceful protests and played a montage of the mainstream media parroting the Democrats' line. 
I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. Peaceful protest. Peaceful protesters. Peaceful protest. 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 And then he played a montage of all of the violence that's been going on beginning in Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Oakland, L.A., New York, Atlanta, city after city across this country. 25 people, at least, have been killed in these riots. Jake Tapper went on and demanded an apology from Jim Jordan, said that that mischaracterized their coverage. Can you imagine working for CNN and having the nerve to accuse somebody else of Selective editing and mischaracterizing somebody's position. <laughs> Talk about calling the kettle black. Hey, we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Bill Barr asked a, a, a telling question at yesterday's hearing and uh, and really just exposed the utter uh, cynical nature of today's Democrat Party. Well, starting with the uh, they're dangerous because uh, they are purporting to keep on. Now, I have to tell you that this was a question from a Republican. If he if this question if any question had been asked from the Democrats, he would never have had the time for a one minute reply they're dangerous because uh they are purporting to keep on the outside uh duly constituted authority of the government they're also to me uh, outrageous because these pe- the people who are living now under this autonomous zone haven't selected the government they've selected the duly authorized government of the city and the state so it's quite an outrage that, that people would, would take, use force to take over an area. What, what makes me concerned for the country is this is the first time in my memory that the leaders of one of our great two political parties, uh, the Democratic Party, are not coming out and condemning mob violence and the attack on federal courts. Uh, why can't we just say, you know, the, the violence against federal courts has to stop? Could we hear something like that? Could we hear something like that? You didn't hear a word of condemnation out of the Democrats yesterday. And that's why it was such a brilliant idea for Jim Jordan to play those uh, those scenes of violence, arson, looting, and destruction out of these Democrat cities. Because, you know, this uh, this hearing was, was carried on CNN and MSNBC because they thought this was going to be the Democrats' chance to put Barr on the hot seat. What they did was show... Uh, Antifa-like tactics of these elected Democrat officials on the House Judiciary Committee where they uh, just attack people who don't agree with them, don't allow them 
to even state their opinion. That is Antifa's tactic. You're not allowed to speak. Your speech is violence. And so we reserve the right to assault you and destroy you and wreck your life. So I was saying uh, last week that the Democrats are starting to worry that these, uh, these riots, especially in Portland, because they're night after night after night, we're going to uh, to backfire on them and hurt them in the upcoming election. And I predicted that it was going to be this week that Joe Biden came out um, and and said something that he could point to opposing this violence. Well, yesterday he was uh, making an appearance at a, uh, 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 it was I guess it was a high school gym or a community center or something. There was uh, just a handful of people there. Biden didn't exactly know where he was. Uh, he started his, uh, his remarks like this. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work. It's a joke. You didn't know where we were anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, actually, uh, that's the one down uh, I used to work. Uh, it's a joke. But Biden was able to ter- stir himself. I'm sure it was put up on a prompter in front of him to finally uh, say something ever so um, condemning about this violence. I said from the outset of the recent protest. Okay, <laughs> let's stop right there. He did not say anything on the outset. This is actually the second time he made just a couple of days ago a, a very milk toast condemnation of the violence but he starts out his uh, his statement on it by telling a lie trying to reframe the issue with an utter dishonesty i said from the outset of the recent protests that there's no place for violence or destruction of property peaceful protesters should be protected and arsonists and anarchists should be prosecuted and local law enforcement can do that Oh, local law enforcement can do that. Well, local law enforcement didn't do that in Minneapolis. A major part of the city was burned, including a police precinct, when the Democrat mayor pulled the police out and left it to the mob. The police precinct was torched, and the Democrat governor of Minnesota refused to call up the National Guard until it was too late. And then when he did, he sent just a handful of them in, far less than it was needed to quell the rioting. Back to this clip from Biden. And local law enforcement can do that. When President Obama and I were in office, we protected federal property. We were able to do it without the Department of Homeland Security. Well, (laughs) it wasn't necessary because your left-wing rioters weren't out in the streets attacking federal buildings. Turning it into a private militia. And it could be done today. But that wouldn't help Trump's political interest. Yeah, it could be done today if the Democrat mayors hadn't uh, removed the uh, local protection from the streets, forcing Donald Trump to send his private militia, he says. I mean, this is the kind of rhetoric, I'll say it again, that starts civil wars. Interesting thing is none of the uh, idiots watching the Bill Barr uh, on MSNBC or CNN 
heard that during a short period that uh, Barr asked for a break, they were able to hear Joe Biden say this. We can't rebuild our economy and meet this climate crisis. This climate crisis. <laughs> it's a climate crisis. Well, I guess it is a climate. It is a, a, a crime crisis, a climate crisis. Oh, man. This is the guy that the Democrats are going to put up to a pushback against China. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. So when we come back for a break, we're going to be joined by Alan Bakari, senior technology correspondent for Breitbart. We're going to talk about big tech censorship and the challenge we face overcoming it in the run-up to this election just a few short months away. Less than 100 days. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Yes, it's not completely smooth. It goes up and down. And I think history teaches us that there are periods of populism, of, of nationalism that rise up. And we, that's all the reason we need to be in the arena. That's why we have to work so hard to make sure it doesn't turn into a world war or something catastrophic, but instead is a blip, is a hiccup. Well, that was Google Vice President Kent Walker promising to make the America First movement and a populism a blip after the 2016 election. And now our worst fears are being realized as big tech has mobilized their control of the flow of information to achieve their left-wing globalist agenda. And they're using their monopoly on search, video, and social media to interfere in this election. Of course, their goal is to defeat Trump, but maybe even more chillingly, to crush the America First movement. To discuss this, we're joined now by Alan Bakari. He's senior technology correspondent for Breitbart News and author of the upcoming book, Hashtag Deleted, Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon. 
Alum's name is spelled A-L-L-U-M-B-O-K-H-A-R-I. Alum, thanks for joining us. Hi, great to be on. Um, yeah, that, that clip you just played uh, was from a, one of Google's top executives, and it was recorded just a few days after the 2016 election. Um, and uh, we released the whole thing, the whole uh, one-hour recording of Google executives reacting to the 2016 election back in 2018. And they're just uniformly anti-Trump, uh, dismayed at the election result and plotting ways to uh, bring down his movement. Oh, they had and, all their Googlers sitting in the audience with their funny little beanie hats, and they were crying and bawling and demanded to know what the executives were going to do to keep this from happening again. Yeah, and other big other big moments from that uh, from that uh, video. One where uh, Sergey Brin, the co-founder of Google, talks about compares Trump voters to extremists, saying they had the similar motivations to fascists and communists. And he talks about how uh, Google's uh, anti-extremism project Jigsaw might be used to to tackle this sort of new form of extremism. So, you know, they're, they're openly, and, you know, it's like Sundar Pichai, who's now CEO of Alphabet, which is the company that controls Google and YouTube and all these platforms, talking about how to educate low-information voters. Uh, so it, it, was, it, was, it was partly a funeral for America. They, they were dismayed at the result, but also pl- partly a planning session on what to do about it, what to do about the election result. Well, this is uh, the Antifa rhetoric. Uh, they accuse anybody that disagrees with them of uh, sowing violence and uh, and being a Nazi. And of course, if that's the case, then they're uh, entitled to do anything they want up to to and including violence to uh, silence anybody that disagrees with them. And in that clip, Kent Walker actually says they're going to do this. They're going to make populism and nationalism a blip to prevent a world war as if the people that have been di- disenfranchised by globalism and these ridiculous trade deals and, you know, in the heart of America, voting their own economic interest is going to start a world war. And so he's promising now to bring down the uh, the, the heavy boot of censorship on any uh, dissenting views. And that's exactly what they've done now. Tell us what's happening to the traffic at Breitbart. Yeah, so we've seen how they've implemented their agenda over the past four years. They've used the vast technological might of Google, which controls you know over ninety percent of the search market. It's the only search engine people tend to use, apart from a few exceptions. Uh, and since the twenty, since uh, the inauguration of Donald Trump, uh, Breitbart, the the visibility on Google for Breitbart links is down ninety nine point seven percent. Uh, you, you heard that correctly, 99.7%. They've completely wiped out the visibility of Breitbart links from Google search results. Uh, you're soaring in 2016. Now it's a tiny, tiny fraction, 0.3% of what it was. Well, people wonder why the Drudge Report has gone anti-Trump. And uh, my theory is it's because uh, he saw this coming and didn't want his site crushed by this tech censorship, and so he got back on the right side of the uh, the uh, the tech titans in Silicon Valley. I've I'm a content creator, and uh, I've I've been uh, censored, but I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, it was like clockwork on uh, on Facebook and uh, and and YouTube. As soon as I reached the exact same threshold, it almost zeroed out the very next day. But I'm surprised to learn that uh, a, a site as well-known and popular that they would have the um, uh, the 
uh, nerve or, you know, the uh, not thinking anything up, trying to crush a site as popular as as Breitbart. So the mask is off now. And uh, where do you think uh, this is leading? Do you think we can overcome this level of censorship? Well, one of the reasons why I think they're doing it is that they're, they're staking everything on a Biden win. And uh, one of the interesting things we also, uh, we've also seen with our search traffic is that uh, after their most recent update to their search algorithm in May, a couple of months ago, uh, Breitbart, traffic to Breitbart from searches related to Biden and Joe Biden just went to zero. They flatlined. Uh, they, they were, you know, they were doing all right. They were going up and down before that. And then suddenly just zoom straight down to zero and changes like that don't happen organically. They don't happen naturally. Like, you know, uh, we, we saw, we saw, it was all like a, like a, a heartbeat that suddenly flatlines. We go, it went up and down, up and down, up and down, and then nothing that it was like someone flipped a switch. So I think what they're hoping is that Biden wins the next election and they'll be protected and, in fact, uh, encouraged to censor the right even more. And there's every reason Uh, to believe that will be the case. Indeed. I mean, these companies have enormous power to manipulate us. And uh, they're a threat unlike any Republican candidate's face before, much more threatening than I think the mainstream media bias. Well, if you're inclined to believe that this was really about creating a safe space and uh, and the so-called you know safety agenda of these tech titans, you only need to look at their pages on uh, on Facebook and Twitter and and YouTube, and you will find scores and scores of uh, Antifa pages where they're talking about organizing and uh, and we've seen you know exactly what they are organizing in these cities uh, in the Pacific Northwest. So it's really not about, you know, violence or hate. What it's all about is uh, uh, cracking down on dissenting views to their left-wing agenda. So I guess I'd ask you again, do we have a a strategy or hope for overcoming this? Can we force uh, these platforms to be, uh, you know, neutral platforms and abide by uh, Section 203 or how do we overcome this? Well, it, it's going to be a long process. I'm not even sure that the bias can be overcome ahead of the next election. Certainly, all, uh, you know, the thing we can do now is keep talking about it, keep pressuring Republican lawmakers, especially. Um, it's, it's a real problem in the Republican Party, actually, with uh, Republican politicians taking money from Google, from Facebook, uh, so-called conservative think tanks taking money. So the first thing the base needs to do is pressure its own Republican representatives to stop taking money from big tech. It needs to be as unacceptable, I think, as taking money from Planned Parenthood or, you know, or to the left, you know, taking money from oil companies is unacceptable. That's the attitude you need to have with these tech companies. Any uh, any cozying up to them by Republican senators or congressmen needs to be uh, completely called out and exposed. Um, and actually, uh, I was reviewing Jim uh, Jim Jordan's uh, filings today. It looks like he's taken ten thousand dollars from Google. I don't think that's acceptable at all, especially as he's um, uh, directing Republicans in their questioning of the tech CEOs today. So the the first thing to do is to take back control of the Republican Party. And the second thing to do is just get out there and <clears throat> try and help Donald Trump win in the in the next election because he's one of the only people who's been uh, holding the tech companies feet to the fire with his executive order and uh, and other actions. Well, one thing I know about politicians is their first and primary uh, motivation is to be reelected, 
and uh, Democrat and Republican. And if these uh, these Republicans step out of the herd and go directly at these tech companies like uh, Josh Hawley and, and a handful of others have done, then uh, those tech companies will, in fact, target them and, and try to take them out as well. I think we saw some of that in the 2016 election with the collapse of Republican representatives in California. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's certainly a big predicament for Republicans. Uh, it, it amazes me, you know, when, when Republicans control the House, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate and the White House, they didn't do anything about the problem that they didn't institute Section 230 reforms, for example. Uh, they didn't impose even their basic transparency requirements on these companies, even though there's... There's never been in human history entities that have the amount of power over our political discourse and the power to manipulate people on a mass scale that these tech companies have. It's an existential threat to freedom of speech and to democracy. Well, the really chilling thing about this, uh, as far as American elections goes, is, you know, these companies are based in America, but they're they've long since passed being American companies. These are multinational globalist corporations who are pursuing that agenda. And if the legitimate concerns of of the people, you know, to have a, a, a government that represents their own interests are at the mercy of these tech titans who, who have an entirely different agenda. Then you talk about a, a recipe for uh, actual civil unrest and and um, I don't want to use any uh, hyperbolic uh, rhetoric here, but. They could, in fact, sow the uh, the discord and and the uh, the the breakdown of of uh, civil society that they're claiming to oppose. Absolutely, when you suppress people too long, they uh, they will rise up. Uh, censorship is incredibly dangerous in that regard. It works for a short while, but it it certainly doesn't work forever. And uh, American people, I think, especially, are highly resistant to, to having their speech controlled. Uh, to being manipulated by unaccountable corporate actors. I mean, back in the uh, back at the turn of the twenty, the turn of the nineteenth and twentieth centuries, we thought that railroad companies were a big enough problem and had grown to such a size that, um, and oil companies had grown to such a size that they were posed a threat to democracy. I think these tech companies, just by the nature of what they do, uh, not just because of their size, uh, several times more threatening they don't just control they're not just big in terms of their financial power and their market power it's their technological control over all of our information that's a problem yeah it was ted kennedy that came in and busted up the trust and uh, restored some balance to the american economy that uh, prevented you know monopolies from controlling uh, entire key industries and it looks like that would be a, a good template for the modern Republican Party to use as well when it comes to the flow of information. I've got a clip here. I got this uh, off of your site, Breitbart, this morning. This is a fellow named Dr. Robert Epstein, who has uh, studied this and and uh, learned what, in fact, how to quantify the power of Google to sway elections. Uh, sure. It's been, uh, been – well, I, I got interested in Google in 2012 – started looking at them a little more critically, not just as a fun toy. Uh, started doing some serious experiments in early 2013. Uh, those were on the power of search results to shift people's opinions and beliefs, attitudes, purchases, and votes 
without their knowing, and eventually I called that phenomenon SEME, S-E-M-E, Search Engine Manipulation Effect, and that's just led to more and more and more discoveries about uh, new forms of influence the Internet has made possible, uh, almost all of which are entirely in the hands of two big monopolies, Google and Facebook. Uh, and I, I've had to, you know, I've studied them, I've quantified them, I've put names on them. Well, he goes on to say that uh, they're able to change nine out of ten uh, users on their platform. So as uh, as we become more and more reliant on, you know, online search and online uh, social media platforms, the, the threat becomes greater and greater to the form that George Orwell could only have imagined in his book 1984. Uh, do you think that there's any way that uh, we could uh, put together some sort of campaign to try to convince people to abandon these platforms, uh, go to DuckDuckGo or uh, or Parler or other other alternative forms of technology? It, cer- it certainly wouldn't hurt. The problem with campaigns like that is that the people most likely to get on board are going to be conservatives, people who are less likely anyway to be manipulated by these uh, technologies. The problem really is those undecided voters, middle-of-the-road voters who aren't very politically engaged, uh, who don't follow these news stories and aren't aware that Google is biased. Those are the ones where you could see massive swings because not only are they being manipulated by Google, but they don't realize they're being manipulated. Most people have a general sense that, you know, the New York Times or CNN or Fox News, they have their particular political editorial slants. People don't have that impression with Google. This is what um, that researcher whose clip you just played, Dr. Epstein, always points out. People don't assume Google search to be biased. So, uh, yes, we absolutely have to spread the word, but it has to go beyond the conservative audience. It has to reach undecided votes as well. And there's a real catch-22 because the... uh, increasingly the only way to reach uh, to reach beyond uh, party lines to ordinary people is through platforms like Facebook, like Google, like YouTube. Um, so it's, it's definitely a very scary situation because you can't even uh, warn people about the bias of these companies because these companies now control access to the American public. The vehicle that you would use to warn them. So, uh, you know, in 2016, Donald Trump's uh, election was largely credited to his presence on Facebook and uh, in his his media master over there that's uh, recently been demoted as his campaign chair. Uh, Have you seen any indications on Facebook that they are, in fact, suppressing his ability to reach his voters on that platform? Well, uh, they uh, they were. Immediately after the election, there was um, I, you know, I talked to people inside Facebook and Google, these small minority of conservative employees who are concerned about what's going on. Uh, they have to keep their heads down. They can't really speak out against it because then they get mobbed by uh, the majority uh, far-left employees. But uh, my Facebook sources tell me, and you know, I've interviewed them for the book as well, that uh, the reaction inside Facebook after the, elect- after the 2016 election was very much the same as the reaction inside Google. There's complete panic and dismay at all levels of the company. Um, and my source also told me that uh, all of the new departments that were set up to tackle so-called fake news and misinformation and uh, oversee so-called election integrity, all the people who were most anti-Trump, they all joined those, uh, those departments. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. They uh, attacked Trump's campaign for engaging in exactly the same sort of um, tactics 
that they had uh, claimed that Obama was a social media genius for employing. Only Obama had the uh, active assistance of, of Facebook. Talk a little bit about your new book, Hashtag Deleted Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. When is it out, and what did you hope to accomplish by writing this book? Well, this this uh, book's going to be out in September on September 22nd. You can pre-order it today on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, uh, hardback, and uh, and audiobook. And uh, the, the main thing I wanted to accomplish with this book was just warning people uh, of the level of control these companies have gained in a very short period of time over American society. Um, and also to point out uh, – and, and – and, and, and uh, in telling that story, I've you know gone gone to the people inside these companies in Twitter and Google and Facebook, so they can tell that story from the inside. It's not just my personal opinion; it's the opinion of the people who work for these companies. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the general theme is that these companies, if they want, can swing not just American elections but almost any democratic election around the world because they're so dominant in so many markets. And there's currently no law, no regulation, no oversight preventing them doing so. We don't even it'll be hard to even find out how uh, they're, they're going to do it if they do it. They'll be very they'll be very hard to find a paper trail. And I think that everyone needs to inform themselves on the power of these companies to control our speech, to manipulate our behavior and our voting behavior, and also just the vast amount of data they collect on us and the amount of information they know about us more than any secret uh, more than the wildest dreams of the kgb or any of these totalitarian intelligence agencies uh, i do believe that these tech companies are, are the biggest threat americans face to their liberty and their democratic rights when you control information you control the world alan bakari spelled a-l-l-u-m-b-o-k-h-a-r-i New book, hashtag deleted, Big Tech's battle to erase the Trump movement and steal the election, available now for pre-order on Amazon. Alan, thanks so much for coming on. I hope you'll come back after the book is released and talk some more. Thank you. Great to be on. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, that interview played right into uh, what we witnessed yesterday when a group of uh, doctors, frontline physicians treating patients uh, with with the uh, China virus, went to Washington, tried to get their message out that they have uh, had good results prescribing and uh, administering hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. 
I tried to play you a clip yesterday when, in fact, uh, you know, I was pulling that clip off of the Internet to play for you on the air, and the clip had been pulled down. A doctor uh, named Emmanuel, she is an immigrant to this country from Nigeria, and I'm going to play that clip for you now in case you haven't heard it elsewhere. Taking care of over 350 patients, not lost one, not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person, We've not lost one patient. I'm going to try that again because the uh, the level was too low to begin with. Taking care of over 350 patients, We've not lost one, not a diabetic, not a somebody with high blood pressure, not somebody with asthma, not an old person, We've not lost one patient. And on top of that, I've put myself my staff, and many doctors that I know on hydroxychloroquine for prevention, because by the very mechanism of action, it works early and as a prophylaxis. We see patients, 10 to 15 COVID patients every day. We give them breathing treatments. We only wear surgical masks. None of us has gotten sick. It works. So right now, I I came here to Washington, D.C. to say, America, nobody needs to die. I'm upset. Why I'm upset is that I see people that cannot breathe. I see parents walk in, I see diabetics sit in my office, knowing that this is a death sentence, and they can't breathe. And I hug them and I tell them, it's going to be okay, you're going to leave. And we treat them, and they leave. None has died. So if some fake science, some person sponsored by all these fake pharma companies comes out and say, oh, we've done studies and they found out that it doesn't work, I can tell you categorically, it's fake science. Well, that was a a shot right across the bow to the mainstream media who has been on this campaign to discredit hydroxychloroquine ever since the president uh, said that it looked promising. And uh, and you may want to discount the word of one doctor. She was standing among more than a dozen doctors who had also had positive results from the administration of hydroxychloroquine and, and zinc. As a matter of fact, even in the absence of hydroxychloroquine, you ought to be taking zinc. I, I recommend these lozenges. Take them every day, and uh, they will um, act as a, a preventative for an, uh, a, a virus being able to infect you, um, you know, in the first place. But, you know, this, uh, this doctor, Emmanuel, uh, she is not alone by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Here's a, a Yale epidemiologist named Harvey Reich appearing on Laura Ingram's show saying the exact same thing as the uh, the doctors in Washington said yesterday. Gee, Dr. Reich, what treatment is being targeted and how pervasive is this? Uh, good evening, Laura. So this is, of course, hydroxychloroquine, the word that nobody should ever say, according to <laughs> half the population. Um, it's, it's, so it's a political drug now, not a medical drug, and that's caused the the complete uh, population ignorance, and I think we're basically fighting a propaganda war against the, the medical facts, and that colors not just population people, how they think about it, but doctors as well, and there are many doctors that I've gotten hostile, you know, remarks about saying that all the evidence is bad for it. And in fact, that's not true at all. And it's easy to show that the evidence, all the evidence is actually good for it when it's used in outpatient uses. Nevertheless, the, 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 the only people who actually see that are a whole pile of doctors who are actually on the front lines treating those patients across the country. And, and they are the ones who are at risk of being forced not to do it. 
all of the discussion that you had earlier on on how to manage going forward through September, October, and into next year will change if there's prevention and treatment that works that's available and that's safe. And that is, in fact, the case. But the problem is, of course, that nobody wants to hear it and nobody lets it out. Well, that's uh, that's tech censorship right there. So this immigrant doctor um, gave the strong testimony, has has no reason to lie about it, would be widely discredited if the statements that she made were untrue by her very patients themselves. But they crushed her. And they, uh, they banned her videos from the internet, scrubbed the site of the, uh, the group that was, uh, meeting in Washington, their, their internet service provider took their site down. And it's not as if there is no, uh, positive results to report from hydroxychloroquine or no, um, no discrediting that they published an article in the Lancet. It is uh, the British version of the uh, um, AMA, or the American Journal of Medicine, and it was uh, it was discrediting hydroxychloroquine. They had it up there for about a week when the whole thing fell apart, and they found out that almost all of the data being used for that Lancet column was in fact fake. Their data uh, was was cooked, and their conclusions were wrong in order to discredit hydroxychloroquine. But the World Health Organization used that column in the Lancet to stop any further tests that they were conducting on the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. It is unbelievable the amount of hysteria that the left has, uh, has generated around this virus. They've got teachers' unions who are solidly in the Democrat camp, of course, balking at reopening the schools. Now, they tell us again and again, we have to listen to the science. Listen to the science! Unless that science, of course, conflicts with their political agenda, because we know that children do not develop enough of a viral load from this China virus in order to be contagious. There's not a single case worldwide of students infecting teachers. Not a single case. 190 kids die in this country every year from the flu. There's been 30 kids die so far from the coronavirus. 190 for the flu. Are we going to close schools because of the flu? You know, uh, pediatricians have come out repeatedly and and said that um, there is very, very minimal risk to sending the kids back to schools. But we know now, because the unions have told them themselves, that it's not about the, the schools or the risks. It's about getting their left-wing agenda. They want, before they go back to school, go back to work. They want to defund the police. They want to ban charter schools and private schools they want medicare for all before they will agree to go back to work so this whole thing is coming unraveled and we're going to have to keep fighting try to win this next election and hope to turn back the tide well that takes us to the end of this edition of right now i want to thank you for joining us 
invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.